Get ready to skidoo into stories, because there's a new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. You skidoo, we can too, inside our storybook with you. Your preschooler can wind down wherever you choose. Blue's always ready for a snuggly snooze. Ooh, I think I'm almost ready for a nap now, too. When it's time to settle down, Blue and all her friends are here for your preschooler. <laughs> Listen to Storytime with Josh and Blue wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. Snuggle up. Bedtime's about to be a dream. It's good night, bedtime stories. A perfect way. Introducing Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. It's the only podcast where the best part is missing the ending. It's bedtime the Nickelodeon way. Listen to Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories wherever you get your podcasts. The best part about the relationship between Karen and Plankton and what fuels like my performance when we're having our scenes together is that Plankton is so pathetic this little <laughs> pathetic guy, that he builds a computer wife and then she yells at him. I mean, yeah, it no. couldn't be more perfect. Like, you know. <laughs> Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. Incredibly excited because we get to talk to the voice of Karen Today, Jill Talley, this is going to be so much fun. Karen is one of the characters who's maybe evolved the most in the show, and yet, from her very first appearance in Plankton with an exclamation point, she was such an awesome and hilarious character, and Jill herself is just as hilarious. I cannot wait to talk to Jill. I am so excited for this interview as well. I'm Karen, definitely one of my favorite interstitial characters that became a main character, so let us get into it. I cannot wait. Here we go. So you have such an incredible journey and such a cool career going from improv and sketch comedy to cartoons. You started at the Second City in Chicago. You starred in The Edge, most famously Mr. Show, one of the best sketch shows of all time. What motivated you early on to dive into comedy? And then how did that eventually lead to VO work? Well, I'm from Chicago. And I always loved Carol Burnett and I loved Gilda Radner and I... You know, I just thought they were really funny. And and so I was one of those kids that would do impressions of the teacher, the neighbor, you know, my friends, whatever. And then, you know, when I got a little bit older, my friends and I would go to Second City and watch the improv sets that were free every once in a while. And you just looked at those people like, oh, my gosh. You know, and if they talked to you after the show, if they went by and said hi to you, you'd be like, I can't believe it. So (laughs) I knew then. I said, I'm going to work here. I want to work here. That was my first goal that I set for myself. Not, I'm going to go to college. (laughs) Not that I'm going to work at Second City. Okay, how I get there? I didn't go to college. I graduated from high school and got a full-time job um, in an office typing. Mm-hmm. I was really good at typing, so I made good money. And then I would take that money and spend it at night taking improv classes and, you know, do whatever, do shows on weekends with my friends. I was in all kinds of little improv groups. I did improv with Robert Smigel, who wow. went on to do the insult comedy job, Conan O'Brien. Um, wow. Know him. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I did 
improv, and then I auditioned for Second City. While I was working at this office job, I am I auditioned on my lunch hour. I told my boss, I'll be back. I'm take kind of a long lunch today. And I auditioned, and they kept keeping me on stage and bringing in different people and different people. And I Whoa. had a good feeling, but I did at one point sneak out and say to my boss, I'm not, I don't think I want to make it back today. And so <gasps> I came back the next day and told him that I was leaving. I was joining Second City. I got in the touring company and, you know, on my way. Was it just kind of a natural transition into voiceover work from comedy? Or was somebody like, listen, you've got a voice for recording. You should do that. Yeah. You know, it kind of is because you play characters. So it's sort of a natural transition. And um, I never even thought of voiceover as, unlike Tom Kenny, my husband, who Mm -hmm. grew up wanting, you know, his second city to him was, you know, watching um, Bugs Bunny and Popeye and saying, I want to be Don Messick. I want to do voices. And mine, you know, was improv. So he always knew he wanted to do voiceover and he took a crazy route. And I just found voiceover like eventually. And where did you two meet, if you don't mind my asking? We met at um, CBS Radford doing The Edge, this comedy sketch show called wow. The Edge with Jennifer oh, Aniston wow. and Julie oh, Brown. And I thought he was really funny. He, he's he's okay. He's He's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we clicked. We worked together really well. So after The Edge, we wrote like a sketch show together called The Show with Two Heads. And then um, he went on to do Rocco's Modern Life. And I would sometimes come down to the studio and I sort of became friendly with Joe Murray and, and Mr. Lawrence and everybody. And then I don't know if they just asked me to do like little extra voices. And that's kind of how it started. And then when were you introduced to Karen? So Karen was supposed to be played by Karen Hillenberg, Steve Hillenberg's wife, because I think she did an impression of somebody, like a relative or something like that, that had a Midwestern accent. And so I think (laughs) Steve named the character after her. And I think the idea, if I'm, and my memory is not perfect, but I believe that the idea was that that character wasn't supposed to be a continuing character. That's so interesting. I think the plan was that Karen herself, who is not an actress, the only one in L.A. who's not, <laughs> so she uh, was supposed to come in and do this character. And I think she was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like at the yeah. last minute, like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And so Steve asked me if I would do it. And Steve knew me because he also worked on... Rocco. And he said, um, it was really funny. He said, just, you know, kind of Midwestern, kind of nasal, kind of, you know, he described it in a very unpleasant way. And then he said, um, just, you know what? Just use your own voice. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, Jill. He's so sweet and he didn't mean, you know, he he didn't have a mean bone in his body. So it wasn't that. Just he wasn't thinking. And I was laughing so hard. (laughs) Okay. So funny. I'll do that, Steve. So <laughs> she's kind of a an amalgam of, she's sort of a mixture of my mother and Tom's mother. Plankton, 1% evil, 99% hot gas. Well, this stinks. So Chicago accent and an upstate New York accent, which are both very similar. Wow. How is Karen waterproof? We were just talking about the earlier, <laughs> before we started recording it for everyone at home, uh, we were talking about conspiracy theories in the SpongeBob universe and how it is just a cartoon. But I do often think like, how is she functioning under what? Like there's no corrosion. <laughs> there's salt, like, you know, there's all that yeah. salinity in the water. She is really well constructed. She <laughs> is. Gosh, I never thought of that. You know how they have like those cell phone plastic cases that you can wear yes. like if you're going to the beach 
or whatever. Maybe yeah. maybe there's like a big case around her that we don't see yeah. on camera. <laughs> I love like trying to make sense out of SpongeBob. We have to mention the best character for this, Mrs. Puff. She has given yes. us so many conspiracy theory opportunities. My adorable nephew, shout out to Frankie Bruno, best name Aww. ever. Good name. Um, <laughs> Frankie called me up and he just was like, hey, Jill. Jill, do you know about this? What What do you make of this? Like, what do you think about this Mrs. Puff? And I didn't know what he was talking about. It, it was like a fever dream because I wasn't aware of all the conspiracy stuff. So all I'm hearing on the phone is criminal past clues. And I'm going, what is he talking about? I said, I'm going to look into it, Frankie. I'm going to. <laughs> look into it for you. So then I went online and I started looking at it and it was oh, fascinating. Wow. I was oh, go- yeah. in. I was going, I want to know too. <laughs> I mean, I have to chalk it up to, it's because the characters themselves are so great. The entire yes. cast of characters are so well-defined, even mm-hmm. from their earliest appearances, even from season yeah. one, that like if different writers and artists work on episodes that are seasons and years apart, sometimes a decade apart, mm-hmm. Us as fans, we can still be like, well, that lines up with the Mrs. Puff thing that they told us about in this season. Everyone that works on it loves it so much, too. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, I feel like especially being there from the beginning and watching this little, you know, plant grow kind of a thing, we're so protective of the show. Mm -hmm. If there ever was a line in a script that wasn't right, I think we (laughs) would all say, oh, yeah, I don't. Would you do that? You know, which sounds weird for a cartoon, but it it isn't just a cartoon to us. Like, it is so special to everyone that works on the show. That naive cube! How long must I suffer this? You're not letting them leave, are you? Can't you see? This is the perfect opportunity for revenge. Elaborate. Befriend the SpongeBob. Then, when the timing is just right, take the Krabby Patty. When did you know, when did you feel that the show was special? Because you sort of described like you were coming in, you were playing this character. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you were seeing Tom audition for this and work with Steve and like start to develop the show. Uh, But when did you know as an actor and as somebody sort of on the outside looking in, know that this was such a special thing? When it first came out, everyone was so confused by the name. People were, I don't get it. Especially like your older relatives are going, sponge what? I don't. Why do they name it that? I don't. I can't remember the name. You know what? So, it, you know, in the beginning, it, it was like took a second to catch on. But then I distinctly remember we were in uh, upstate New York at the New York State Fair, and we were walking through the fairgrounds, and I kept hearing someone say SpongeBob, and it was like SpongeBob, SpongeBob, and I thought someone was calling Tom, maybe someone like a friend of his who knew he did SpongeBob. Right. And then I turned around and I saw this, one of those games, you know, win a prize games. And they had all these SpongeBob stuffed animals and all these kids were trying to win SpongeBob. And it was just this moment of like, oh, it's really catching on overnight. It was just explosive, you know? Wow. And then you go to like, we're in Italy and the woman who's waiting on us has a SpongeBob t-shirt on and you're just going, oh my God, it's so exciting, you know, to watch it. Tom's mother, um, once in a line at a grocery store, there was a kid behind her who had a SpongeBob shirt on. And she told us this story afterwards. And she said, um, and I turned around and I saw the kid and he had a SpongeBob (laughs) shirt on. And I said, I'm SpongeBob's mother. (laughs) 
<laughs> she said, his mom acted like I was a crazy lady. Tom and I were saying, because you probably looked like some old lady who turns around and says, I'm SpongeBob's mother. <laughs> no context. No context. No, not my son is an actor and he does the voice. Just, I'm SpongeBob's mother. Did you want to come cook with us? Vamos! Let's get cooking! Your preschooler can swing into action with Dora and Boots for a musical adventure in her brand new podcast. Recipe for Adventure! It's Dora's recipe for adventure, and she's cooking up special treats with all her friends and family. We've got everyone's favorite dishes. Empanada! Paleta! We're cooking up a family adventure, and Dora has the perfect recipe. Listen to Dora's Recipe for Adventure wherever you get your podcasts. don't even remember what the fight was about. It sure was a humdinger of an argument. She went bananas and vowed to destroy any and all gal pals. Then she just ran off into these woods. It's so wonderful that Karen has gotten to have this like amazing life now that's like not just like stuck in Plankton's laboratory. Right. Like she right. is a girl. She gets right. to go out. We loved it. We loved it because here we have like these women on the show and we are there, but we're not interacting or our characters weren't really crossing paths. Like you said, I was always with Plankton in the laboratory and Pearl would be with Mr. Krabs and Sandy mm-hmm. was with SpongeBob and um, Mrs. Puffs off in her boating school. So mm-hmm. to get us all together was, we had so much fun doing it. And we really <laughs> are friends. We really do love each other, like yeah. love each other. So um, what's, what's it, happy. Joe, what's cool. it like when the gal pals hang out in real life? Are you talking about work? Are you talking about everything but work? What's it like? You know, we talk about everything. I just, I just got together with um, Carolyn Lawrence and Sandy Cheeks and her and I just talked parent stuff, like, you know, about what it's like to raise kids and during the pandemic and how we're yeah. handling it. And, you know, we I, I told someone the thing about SpongeBob that's interesting is when we started that show um, a long time ago, 20 years ago, um, we've been through so many life events. Like yes. we've had mm. cast members who have had parents die, Steve. Mm-hmm. Losing Steve yeah. was just yeah. really hard. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. We've had people get married. We've had people get have kids. We've had kids grow up and graduate from college. And our kids are friends. Derek Dryman's daughter, our son, Mac, Steve Hillenberg's son, Clay, they played together as little kids. They grew up yeah. together. They're, they are almost like cousins in a way. So, yeah. you know, so I, we really are like, like a family. It's so like heartwarming to hear that. It makes me feel so great. I don't, it's, it's so funny because you, you folks are just such incredibly creative people who put together a cartoon show that is really fun and silly and, and really sweet. And it, and it kind of changed the world. And it's this amazing story of, of, you know, how special this character in these, in this world is. And to hear that you guys all just care about each other and you're protective about the show. It's like, it's as for, for fans of SpongeBob, it's, like maybe the best thing to learn about, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you guys, yeah. I think people who do voiceover, they're not used to being treated like they're stars. They don't go into a restaurant. No one knows oh, who they are. So they don't right. have that ego that comes along with it, you know? And plus, mm-hmm. it's really hard work. I mean, I think people think, oh, you show up in your pajamas and, you know, it's so easy. But it is hard. It's physically hard to scream like for hours yeah. and stuff like yes. that. I mean, it's, it feels like you're working out. And um, 
And because there isn't the celebrity thing, I think people aren't drawn to it as much. I, I, maybe a little bit more now. You have more celebrities yeah. doing voiceover now, especially the feature films and stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. um, the day-to-day voiceover stuff, you don't see as many celebrities doing that because they can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Tom, he's actually upstairs right now. His office is directly above mine. Did you just hear him a second ago screaming? No. He's recording a show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right that's now. So... And he's screaming. Um, oh my God. Isn't that that's funny? so funny. Like, that's so hysterical. Shows, two different shows. And sometimes the same show because now he directs SpongeBob. So sometimes yeah. he's up in his office directing me down in my office. Wow. Oh my God. That's so I, fun. Is Jill, that fun? Question. It sounds it, it, fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Okay. Question, for, question for you, Jill. Since you guys have shifted to recording more stuff from home because of the pandemic, Mm-hmm. Have you guys gotten any calls from neighbors? Like, are you okay? We're hearing screaming. I, told, like- I actually told um, <laughs> my next door neighbor because I, yeah. I did this cartoon. It's not a kid's show. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, my character was doing some yelling and some of the stuff I was yelling was a bit inappropriate. And they have a little kid next door. And I, I did go over to them and I said, just want you to know. You're probably going to hear some screaming. Tom and I are not killing each other. Um, Right. (laughs) So funny. Jill, question for you about Karen, about this character and her sort of evolution. And she mm-hmm. has only a few appearances, I think, in season one, and then a few mm-hmm. more in two, and so on and so forth. And these days, she's a more prominent character. She's has arms more often than not. <laughs> so talk, fun. Talk a little bit about that sort of evolution. Has your performance changed at all? Has the arms helped with like uh or or added to your vocal uh performance versus unlike other characters that are so expressive, the SpongeBob's and the Patrick's and everything. Karen is normally uh, expressionless, and how right. do you do that as an actor as well? I think I think that Car- the relationship between Karen and Plankton evolved a little bit because in the very yeah. beginning she really was just kind of this computer, and then you know eventually it's like they're in this relationship. And the yeah. best part to me, the best part about the relationship between Karen and Plankton, and what fuels like my performance when we're having our scenes together is <laughs> that. Plankton is so pathetic, this little <laughs> pathetic guy, that he builds a computer wife and then she oh. yells at him. I mean, yeah, no. couldn't be more perfect. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it'd be so easy to just, you know, and there are episodes where he tries to do Karen 2.0 or whatever. I'm going to get yep. new. But, oh my um, God, I love that episode. Yeah, but he goes back to her and it's like it's meant to be. He has to have the overbearing, like, smart, <laughs> smarter than him, yep. bossier than him you know, gets results, wife. And after that, we frolicked through the flowers. And then we... Sounds like fun. Well, the really fun part was when... What did you do with the Krabby Patty? Either one. The Krabby Patty, remember? You can't rush these things, you know. You're forgetting the mission. What are you talking about? You're going native, Plankton. Look at yourself. What? But we, you know, we've kind of developed this sort of honeymooners-esque relationship mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. of us where you know very much it is very you know ralph and alice and um i love it and i know there are probably hours and hours and hours of 
outtakes of us riffing because sometimes when we're doing scenes, we just go off and we have each other laughing so hard. So it's really fun um, to play these characters, to play, to play that, this kind of couple. It's actually a beautiful example of how even on the, this show where there could be like potentially an antagonistic relationship that it mm-hmm. is still portrayed with like tremendous amounts of love. She'll put him down and go, oh, God, you'll never get the recipe or whatever. She'll do that. <laughs> but then when, he, when his character is sad, she always comes Lifts him and supports him. Up. So oh, yeah. it's like, it's that kind of thing like with your sibling where I can say something nasty about you, but if yes. the next door neighbor says something nasty about you, it's a totally yes. different story. So it's kind of that way. Like Karen can put him down and does, and um, but no one else. Jill, you have done, in the world of voiceover, you've done so many different projects and so many cool characters and different cartoon shows and stuff. When we're talking about SpongeBob, to you, in your mind, what sets SpongeBob apart from all of the other projects that you've worked on? Um, well, I definitely feel that the characters in SpongeBob are really dimensional. Mrs. Puff is a great example. You feel for her. She's just this world-weary, you know, do I just want this kid to, you know, finish his boating school, get his license? <laughs> and you feel for her. But she can be tough. Yep. They really write every character, um, every emotional aspect of them. I just feel like the characters are really well-developed. I think Steve Hillenberg had s- this world figured out before mm-hmm. he even went in, you know, to pitch it. He really yeah. knew what he wanted. There sometimes isn't as much thought put into characters, especially animate, animated characters. Right. And, but in this show, these characters are every bit as fully formed as if they were live action people. I think the positivity of this show is so needed and was so needed when it came out, but it's really needed now. And since the introduction of SpongeBob, I think you can see the influence with all the other shows that have come out. And then they have much more pure of heart characters that you really right. weren't seeing as much, you know, you can just right. feel that influence because yes. it was so needed and just like help the generation figure yeah. out, process our feelings and feel good yes. about the world and but be it optimistic. Wasn't saccharine. You know what I mean? Yes. That's the other thing that was good about it is it's actually a funny show. It's not just right. like, let's just not say anything mean, you guys. It's not that kind of show because there are those <laughs> no. two. You know, yeah, where right. it's just like, everything is great and let's all love each other. But there's no comedy. You know, right. you don't really care yeah. about these characters at all. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, you could go looking for the remote. You know, find it, bring it back. That's it. Get your boy. You can do it. Go on. Go get that remote. Okay, I'll do it. Jill, let's talk about the Patrick Star show. Yay. This show is insane. It is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, it's so you fun. voice you voice Patrick's sister, Squidina Star. Mm-hmm. Now, she was originally introduced in SpongeBob. She was one of Pearl's friends, mm-hmm. and then in this show is revealed to be Patrick's younger sister. What was that process like to see that character sort of evolution? How was the Patrick Star show presented to you? First of all, they said, oh, we're going to do the Patrick Star show and we're bringing back Squidina. And, yeah. you know, mm. the writers who live with these characters and storyboards and stuff in this whole process a lot longer than us. We come in and record something in a session that's four hours long. So yep. Squidina, the name Squidina, when I first heard it, I was like, I really <laughs> doubted my sanity because I'm going, how could I play a character? And I don't even recall 
this character at all. And everyone's coming up to me going, Squidina's coming back. And I'm going, Squidina, I don't know. I was having a panic attack. And then finally, I said to one of the, I think Mark Ciccarelli, I said, um, I don't. I don't remember Squidina. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, she was just one line. She was like an incidental character with one line. So I was like, oh, my God. You guys had me scared that I was losing my mind, that I had played some developed character. So when we listened to it, she did have this kind of high voice and everything, but we knew we could play if we wanted to. We could play with it. But um, I just like the fact that it's really different from Karen. Yes. You know? It's so interesting. You play two characters that are fairly reasonable in in, in kind of an insane, wacky world. Yeah, yes. and they're both in charge. They're both kind of the smartest. Like Squidina is also very smart and kind of runs the show and keeps Patrick on yeah. track. So they have that in common. Definitely, Squidina has more energy. But the fun thing about the characters, she gets to kind of go between her director role and the yep. little sister role. And when she's the director, she gets like bigger. It's like her voice gets bigger and she gets bigger and everything <laughs> is bigger. And then you know she kind of becomes the happy little sister again. You know, so it's like she comes back down again when she's just the sister. So it's fun. It's. It's always done with heart and it's always funny, which is what is such a great testament to you as an actor. Yeah. And it's fun to work with Bill. Again, Bill and I yes. didn't have hardly any scenes together. Right. For us to be able to work together was really fun. How can you work on a show with someone for that long and you realize we hardly ever worked together? <laughs> yeah. we yep. In the studio, we were in the studio at the same time. But, mm-hmm. you know, and Bill would have lines of dialogue and I would have lines of dialogue, but not with each other. Our world is just continually being updated with new and more impressive, like, AI. Have you, Mm. Jill, have you ever had a moment where you're like, oh, my God, I have my own Karen. I'm talking to a Karen right now. Have you ever had that in your own life? I got mad at, um, I can't say her name because she's right here. Um, (laughs) Do something, busy yourself. Um, Anyway, so I, (laughs) but I got mad because I was asking her for something and she didn't hear me and I kept repeating myself. And then finally I said, you are useless. And there was a pause. I'm not kidding you. There was a pause. And then all of a sudden she goes, I'm doing my best. And it was like, she's doing my best, but the way I heard it was like, I'm doing my best. (laughs) And you were like, oh, no, no, no. And then I said, sorry. I said, I'm sorry. And then I felt, I walked around feeling bad that I offended. (laughs) You're like, I get it. I'm, Alexa, I'm like you. I understand your pain. I I, I am one of the only people on the planet who understands you, Alexa. And she waited. I felt like she waited. Till I thought I was off the hook. And then she goes, it was so so creepy. It was creepy and sad. (laughs) I can see Faye Dunaway doing that too. Yeah. Being like, I'm doing my best. best. How dare you? Wouldn't be, that would be great if she did that kind of stuff. If they yeah. programmed her, like if you complain, if she how dare oh. you? <laughs> Get out. But it's yeah. my house. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Doors unlocked. Get out. I've had the locks change just now. <laughs> I really, you should be um, hired to be a voice for either Alexa or for, or for my Google Maps. I would how love that, that so much as Karen. happened yet? The voice you of know, Karen from SpongeBob that, that you can really come funny. on. Turn left. Oh, do let's, something. Let's pay, you some, <laughs> yeah. let's pay you some big bucks. You let's missed get the U turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, great fun. job on that left hand yeah. turn. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll really get there on time the way you're driving. 
<laughs> I, I, I want to say, Jill, this has been a delight talking oh, to you. so wonderful. Er, earlier, you were mentioning how when you were growing up, you looked up to these amazing comedians in Chicago. And what you were describing to me feels like what I felt seeing comedians on stage, seeing improvisers here in LA, you know, I'm from Southern mm-hmm. California. It feels like a magic trick. The best comedy, live comedy feels like a magic trick. What you just did also is a magic trick. I want to say as a fan of SpongeBob, Frankie and I are just so such fans and what you and the rest of the cast bring to these characters. You were just playing just now and just slipping into Karen, but I'm like, oh, oh, like it's so great. Yeah, it was very exciting. And it's great to have you on the show again. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys. It was really fun. For continuing to make us laugh and uh, tell Tom to keep it down up there. What's he doing? We're doing a podcast. (laughs) In the beginning of the pandemic, our daughter was doing her school from home. And Tom was four feet away doing his thing. And I was down here doing mine. And every now and then you'd be screaming and our daughter would say afterwards, um, by the way, everyone in my English class could hear you. Oh, no. And then I, I said, did you tell them like we're working? Like, I'm sorry, but we're working. And she goes, no. So, Come on. So in other words, they just think the parents are like screaming like maniacs oh, no. in the background for no reason. <laughs> that's oh my better. Gosh. No, that's way worse. I know. I know. Well, there you have it. That was our conversation with the hilarious Jill Talley. Huge thanks again for sharing some of her time with us. Frankie, that was really, really fun. (laughs) I have never laughed harder than at that Alexa story. I am so excited that she shared that with us because I've been dying to know, like, what does Karen think about Alexa? And now we know. And that should also (laughs) be another future episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) I agree. They can relate to one another. And I'm definitely going to treat my home AI nicer after that that conversation so thank you jill for reminding me about the humanity of the alexas of the world so yeah that was great (laughs) guys thanks so much for listening let us know what your favorite part of our conversation with jill tally was and we'll see you next time on spongebob binge pants bye